This podcast is sponsored by Australian Christian College, a network of schools committed to student wellbeing, character development and academic improvement. Welcome to the Inspiration Project, where well-known Christians share their stories to inspire young people in their faith and life. Here's your host, Brendan Kaur. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Inspiration Project podcast. We have with us this morning, Jason Perini. Jason is a storyteller, director, writer, actor. Uh, He's been involved in some major productions in Australia and around the world, a recipient of several awards. Some of his films have been part of the the Chopfest Australia, New York City International Film Festival. Uh, Some films have shown at the Cannes Film Festival and uh, received numerous awards uh, through that period of time. Involved in short film, longer film, both sides of the camera and production side, uh, even dipped into preparing some commercials, uh, I understand, Jason. Yeah. Um, can I thank you for your time? And um, what's, your, what's your current project that's occupying your space while you're locked up in isolation? Uh, no, thanks for having me, uh, Brendan. Thank you so much for having me. Um, good question about my current project. Well, most of my industry is completely shut down. Um, so, yeah, so my agent has kind of talked about how, yes, everything is kind of shut down. but. It's a funny time too for, for a lot of us who are kind of freelancers. It actually has given us space to kind of keep moving and creating. So there's a few writing projects that I've been able to just keep pushing forward. I also just managed to do a, a short little um, acting job for a friend of mine last week, which was uh, for a pilot for something that may be on television uh, a bit later this year. And um, I, you know, I do lots of voiceovers for, for radio and things like that. So they've been ticking along. But for the most part, it's um, the isolation's actually just been a time to kind of uh, gather myself a little bit, slow down, and kind of just work out actually what other things I really want to put my energy into almost when things start um, kicking off again. So, um, yeah, so, but, but my big project at the moment, I guess, too, is I've just had, um, yeah, I've been at home with my wife and three kids. Yeah, that's so a my project. Current project is. Yeah, so my current project is just um, trying to have as much fun as we can uh, in this crazy time that we're in. It's interesting. I've noticed a number of posts that have been going up on Facebook and Instagram have sort of echoed that that sentiment that the the project of a, a lot of you guys that are involved in in the, the creative industries are, are more about self, and it's um, finding back to that center of core. Yeah. It also speaks to the nature of the profession that you've chosen. It, it is, you know, um, almost the ultimate gig economy sort of thing. You're, you're going from, uh, apart from the very few who get long-standing, long-running shows, you know it's going to be yep. event by event, project by project. W- what attracted you to that that sort of almost uh, itinerant lifestyle in terms of a career or, or a, a, a workplace? It's a good question. I think um, for a long time I have kind of – I mean, the hard thing about my industry often is just how it does – it's a project-to-project thing. So often I don't know what's happening potentially a week from now or two months from now. And, and so a lot of it is just um, 
being able to sit in the unknown of how things are going to happen and how things are going to come. But I mean, I guess the, the way I got into my industry was um, I had always been interested in, in kind of, you know, things like acting and storytelling at school. But when I left school, I went straight to work for a church and did that for a number of years. And, and after I, I had some, I guess, difficulties with working out how I would fit working for a church, I then thought, I really want to study acting. And um, and I thought, I'll just study acting for a few years before I potentially go back and go to Bible college and something like that. But the way things happened, I studied acting, uh, got some work when I'd finished, and I'm still kind of... 11 years later, still kind of um, figuring out how it all works. But yes, for, for me, I, I don't have a, a nine to five and it is um, project to project, which is also with, with the kind of isolation and, and what's going on in the world at the moment. It's also not uncommon for me to kind of be at home or not know what's going on anyway. So at one level, uh, people who work in the creative industries, I think can adapt a little better to this because it's not like we've gone from nine to five and then everything stops. Mm. Uh, we, we tend to have seasons where nothing's going on or everything's going on anyway. Uh, so it's kind of, um, yeah, the, the, the current way the world is going kind of works, I think, for, for people in my industry. But it, it's definitely um, a beautiful thing about um, work not being regular, that I get to spend more time with my family and, mm. and you know, I get to be around for lots of those things. But it, it, it does have its stresses with, yeah, not being able to plan ahead mm. too much and it, um, yeah, having to kind of, uh, yeah, just give in to the fact that I'm not in control of my timetable a lot of the time. Yeah, that, that is, that's not a life that everyone would choose. The, the ability to sort of know what was coming up next week or next month or next year, be able to plan. These are the holidays that I know are coming that I, that I can yep. work towards and factor in. Was that something that you've had to learn to live with or is that, an inherent part of who you are, that you're comfortable in that, the unknown? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I, if there was one thing I could probably change about my work life, it would be that I wish there was more structure. I think particularly being uh, a husband and a father, um, sometimes I, I would find it easier to just manage life if I knew there was a structure. Mm. Having said that, my wife and people who know me well say that I would never survive mm. working in a more structured job. environment. Mm. They, yes, yeah, they, they, I, I have often, um, you know, wanted to just say, oh, I, I want to quit this industry and just do something that's a little bit more predictable. Um, but yeah, those people who know me best tend to say it, that would drive me crazy. So although I feel like I'm constantly trying to, um, work it out and get used to it, even though it's kind of been my career for the last decade. Um, it's still, I think, probably the, the only thing I know how to do really is the uncertainty thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's that thing where I, I don't love it, but I guess I, it's, it's all I know a little bit as well. So um, I've just managed to kind of each day muddle through with it. But it's, but it's definitely a, a challenge of my work for sure. You, you mentioned uh, in a comment earlier that you found or, or uh, picked up on an interest in this area of, of our career while you're at school. Let me, let me take you back to school. What, what was school like yeah. for you? What, what was it? Was it a fun place to be, a hard place to be? Was it distracting? What, what, what was the issue? No, I was, I was very fortunate in that I, had, I always had good experiences at school. 
Um, I remember just school being um, fun, and I, I, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't remember much that I necessarily learned in school, and I definitely would go back and apologise to a few of my teachers who I didn't pay enough attention to. But, um, no, I mean, I was privileged in the fact that the school I went to, my dad was also, I went to three different schools. I went to a primary school, one primary, my local primary school till I was in year four, and then I moved to another school from years five to year nine, and then another school from 10 to 12. And all those schools, I would, yeah, say were fun, but, but the middle school where I spent most of the time, my, my father was a teacher at, really? um, and he, he was very liked by the students and the staff. So, um, yes, so uh, he did a great job, I think, of just being, knowing how to be my dad and also a teacher in the school. He was the chaplain at the school I went to. Um, and I think those kind of years between years five and year nine were, were helped in the fact that um, people liked me because they liked my dad. Um, and so that kind of made life easier for me at school. So, yes, yeah, school was just always, a, I think, a fun place mm. for me. I mean, it, it had its challenges like it does for everyone. Mm. But I, as, I, as, I, as I look back on my schooling life, I'm just very grateful to God for the way that uh, he just he gave me a really um, positive schooling experience. Mm. That's um, and, and, at, and at, yeah, at school I was... I was um, not particularly great at uh, maths and science and, and things like that, but I kind of lived for the drama, art and English, those subjects I, I just loved and could spend all day doing. And so it kind of had this funny thing where at school I'd either love, love it or, or not love it so much depending on the subjects I had yeah. that day. Yeah. But I would happily just do, yeah, art, drama and English all day and not have to worry about all the other ones. I think that's a typical experience for kids, that they, they feel pretty early that they're – they, they know what's in the core of them and uh, yes. what's, yeah. what's driving them. Um, I, I want to come back yeah. to, to some of the implications of that, but you, you've mentioned a couple of times uh, your dad was a chaplain at, at the school and, and you went straight from school in the church. So clearly you, you grew up in a Christian family, uh, yep. but you were also very personal in the, your awareness of what God was doing in your life even at school. Where, yes. How did that develop? How did you become a personal one-on-one follower of Jesus rather than it just being your school or your family or your community? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, a question I actually love thinking about because I can just see how close I feel like God has been to me. So my parents were missionaries in Africa, and when my older brother was born, they came back to Australia and I, I have just been very enormously blessed that I have an older brother and a sister and my mum and dad, uh, we're all Christians. Um, and my mum and dad just were really incredible examples of me as a, as a, as a kind of a young boy that, that Jesus was this man who could be my friend, who would look after me. And, um, also another thing, you know, at, at school, I remember in kindergarten, our scripture teachers, um, we had a few scripture teachers that were just kind of bonkers that they would, um, some of them would come into class through the window and it was always stories and fun and, and the church I went to had great youth groups. So I always associated, I guess, Jesus with, with this very adventurous man that was yeah. calling me into an adventure as well. And, and, you know, I used to love the Disney cartoons and I used to love just stories of all kinds and, and getting to explore the wonder of those things. And yet, by I think God's grace and my parents' example, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't kind of 
feel close to Mickey Mouse when I would go to sleep at night. There was something about, even though I would lump Jesus in with all these other stories, there was something about the person of Jesus that it felt like I was close to him and mm. I could talk to him and, and there was a, a friendship there. And I think that was encouraged by my scripture teachers, the church I went to, but mainly my brother and my sister and my mum and dad mm. just um, just showed me that, that kind of uh, a life having Jesus as your friend mm. um, was was rich and fun and and felt like an adventure, yet it was also intimate and close. So I, I've never not not kind of thought of Jesus being someone who is real mm. and alive to me uh, and who's a close friend of mine. And and that that friendship has um, grown as I've um, gotten older. But my, I'm always trying to get back to that that very childlike dependence on on this person, Jesus, who's my friend. So he's kind of it, it's always been a very strong presence. Yeah, that's um, awesome for me. Yeah, yeah. So there is a, a just despite what many Christians would see that that uh, the Christian faith is something that is constraining and limiting and uh, yeah. imposing. Your experience yeah. was the opposite. That Christianity was an adventure. It was the fullness of life. It was opening things for you. Is that sort of how you feel? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think the, the childhood I had. If someone had said to me, Christianity is about rules and about following commandments that that would have made no sense to me christianity was uh this invitation to be invited into a friendship with jesus who then as i got older into my early teens i started to be taught about the fact that actually i fall short of Mm. um being a a perfect human and then jesus is not only my friend but my savior Mm. and then as i got even older uh, I started to realize more and more, well, if he's my friend and savior, he also needs to be my king mm. and my lord. And so all those things have been a constant kind of wash for me. But I, even things like when we did, you know, the Ten Commandments uh, as a as a young boy, all the rules of and those things of Christianity, which maybe the cliche things that people think are kind of constraining about it. Um, I always saw those things within, I kind of knew that they were all part of the big sweeping story that, um, it was all part of the way that God was kind of um, treating his people and looking after his people. I think mm. I, I've been very fortunate in um, just always kind of knowing, well, God is God is real and, mm. and, and he's a relational being. And so, yes, I, I haven't ever found um, Christianity limiting to me at all. If anything, it, it, it always has been a freeing thing. I've had my moments where I've been embarrassed by being a Christian. That's still something that I struggle with, with um, people. Uh, sometimes if they don't feel like they'll understand where I'm coming from. And I have uh, all sorts of issues with it, with obeying God and still trusting in him. But I, yes, I do have very anchored down in me a sense that, um, yeah, Christianity is is an adventure of relationship with the creator of the world. Uh, and so, yeah, that's just, uh, again, that's just by the grace of God yeah. and by the great example of my my immediate family. And, and it's allowed you to step into an adventure of life. It's, yes. it's sort of been like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Your conception of what God is and what he has for your life sort of manifests in the the things that become possible for you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I was thinking about this recently, um, this whole idea that, you know, because I feel kind of anchored in in my relationship with God and that's actually a, a deep, firm foundation anchor 
thing, it then, because I know I had that anchor there, it, it kind of allows me to feel like I can explore and, and fly a little bit mm. uh, in, in my Christian life. So I think, yeah, I think having such a strong anchor in Jesus um, actually allows me to feel like I can kind of fly through life. Yeah, and there's, there's, a, there's a filmmaker called David Lynch who... Um, who, whose uh, films probably aren't for everyone. Uh, his stuff is uh, pretty out there. But he tells the story about how he likes, his, his stuff is pretty weird, and he talks about how he likes writing films in a diner because there's a safety of being in a public place like a diner that he feels like his mind can wander and he can go and explore weird things because he's always got the safety of being back in, in the diner and in this safe place. And I kind of feel a little bit like, that that I I guess Jesus is my diner yeah, in the sense space. that mm. I, yeah I feel like I can go and explore things a little bit that that may sometimes be a bit uncomfortable or a bit weird um, because I know I'm, I've got the safe place of yeah Jesus kind of with me so um, that's something I've had to yeah I've just been thankful for and have been reflecting on recently actually. So you you have this very strong sense of of God's presence and uh, place in your life. You're a you're a teenager. You leave school, head into a church, might want to come back to that. You find yourself yep. in the entertainment business, all, all yep. facets of it, writing, acting, producing, films, yep. short films, commercials. If I, I wanted to ask you, for you, what do you think entertainment is? What is entertaining? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I probably don't feel like I've ever answered that for myself. I think um, – I think, I, yeah, I don't think in terms maybe so much in entertainment, although I think it's a really worthy question for me to, to think through, but I guess I just think through in terms of, um, stories and, and characters and things like that. So, um, I guess it's just, um, yeah, I, I am bad at answering that question, which is crazy because that's what I spend, uh, most of my time kind of doing. I guess it's just, I, I believe, you know, that, that entertainment or storytelling is about being able to um, connect with with other people and with and with other ideas that, that I haven't thought of. I think C.S. Lewis uh, has a has a thing about stories being kind of windows into into other places and, yeah. and being able to then travel in in other people's yeah. shoes. And I think probably that's what I love about it. It's the chance to see what someone else's life is like. What what another world could be like. I mean, I do love that every time I kind of watch a movie or see a play, I'm going into a world that I'm not part of and that it somehow will, it will somehow give me another dimension to, to my own understanding of, of life and, mm. and the world and God um, by watching how, how someone else and, and how another world is dealing with it. So I mm. guess yeah, I guess that's as best as I can answer it, but oh, I am bad at it. No, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. So the, the reason for our question is because I, I can see you've been involved in different sorts of media. And so yes. the, the notion of entertainment, entertainment is not just a thing that is light and frothy and distracting. It, you, you're yep. capturing the essence so that it is allowing people to access something beyond themselves, that it's, it's something yep. more than that. And it could be light and frothy and fun and uplifting yep. or it could be challenging and it could be yes. confronting in some ways. Um, yes. But it's no yep. less entertaining in that it's engaging and it's drawing you to That's some, right. sort of a, some sort of a response from your humanity, from your personhood. Yes, yes. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's great. So, so that leads me to the question: you, you've been involved in some comedies. Um, yes. One, some of your things have, have been up for those comedy things, but you've also been involved in some heavy duty drama. And yes. where do you feel you naturally lie, or, or what do you think is the difference between those expressions of of entertainment? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, my I grew up in a family that um, probably prized laughing and sense of humour almost. I think in, in my family growing up, um, probably God and, and Jesus were the most important things, but it almost felt like having fun and laughing were kind of uh, a very close second. So I grew up in a family which um, didn't take a lot of things seriously. Um, my parents are both very cheeky. My brother and my sister have great sense of humour and a very funny, everyone in my family is kind of, except for me, is very um, funny and like, yeah, my, my family was to not take, I grew up in a family going, you, you kind of take God seriously, but you don't, um, you don't take yourself seriously. So I think that, that's, that, and my, you know, my dad used to put me to sleep to tapes of stand-up comedians and, um, and my dad uh, would always be watching comedy on TV or listening to comedy on, on the radio or things like that. So. I think that's where I feel most at home, um, and usually I can I can see the what I think is the funny side of things quite quickly, even when they're things that shouldn't be funny. Mm. Um, but yeah, and with drama, I think for me, um, you know, I, I work a, a lot as an actor, and and sometimes drama is harder for me because because I I can often see the funny side very quickly of things. Um, and I've I've done some I used to. When I used to act a lot more in theatre, which I do less of now because of just the, the time constraints, of, I stopped doing that because we started having children and things like that. But um, I used to do a lot more drama in theatre, and and there is a, I think there's a, there is a power to to drama. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I mean, I've I've heard people who are who work in comedy saying. You know, in drama, the actor just has to make themselves cry, whereas mm. in comedy, you have to make a room full of people yeah. laugh. And yeah. so that they were talking about how actually comedy is a harder yeah. thing. Um, and so, and, and I think I agree with that to a sense. I think my my personal struggle with drama, often when I'm involved in it, is that I, because I struggle to take myself seriously and things seriously, I will always um, second guess that things when when I'm doing things that are that are dramatic, but. Um, mm. Yeah, I, my background is more in comedy, but I, I am trying to move more into things that that aren't going for the joke and the lighter side of things. And you know, I I've, um, I I guess I want to start to explore a little bit more the brokenness of of the world mm. through through the things that I work in. But yeah, as to the difference, I think they're they're as long. I think you know, with drama and comedy, they're both got to come from a place of from truth and yeah. from a place that is um, actually being a very you know, with drama and comedy, it's, it's how well we can observe um, humanity and how well we can observe the way people function in the world, and that's where both of those things come from. So I think that you've just got to be very specific about um, how much you can observe the way people are read the drama or comedy. So in that sense, they're the same, but yeah. they've got to be specific, yeah. So you've been involved as an actor, as you're, as you're saying, and the uh the certain skills that are required to to bring a character to life in front of people's yeah. eyes, whether that's film or on stage. You've yeah. also been involved at the the pre-production side of things where you're writing and directing and crafting 
what that story is going to look like. Yeah. Does that require you to have a, a deep insight into the nature of people? Do you need to know these are the buttons or the levers that I can manage that's going to have an effect or the effect that I want to have in the people that are going to see this in a week, a month, a year's time? Yeah, that's that's such a good um yeah, that's such a good question. I think whether you're kind of acting or writing or, or directing or whatever part of the storytelling process you're part of, it's it's yeah, it's people often say the things that the most universal things you can do are when they're the most specific. So I think it's just whether it's whether it's um, writing or directing or acting, acting. There's that, a, a famous kind of writer and director called Mike Nichols. Um, he made films like The Graduate and, mm. and things like that. Um, and he always talked about how whenever you're looking at like a scene, whether it's in the theatre or, or a film, you just have to ask yourself, what would this really be like? Mm. And it's actually interrogating whether you're directing, acting or writing, thinking to yourself, not not what is the cliche version of this or, or what is the um the yeah the stereotype of this, but what what is it really like if people break up in a relationship? What is it really like if I um you know, split my pants open at the bus stop and, mm. and I've got nothing to do? What what is it really like if if I have a close person die to me and, and how does that affect myself? So it's always just trying to get to the core of how, how do people really do this? And I think the more specific that that we can try and be, then the more universal it is yeah. to kind of everyone. And so um, I'm still learning that. And I and I look back at previous work I've done, and I think I, I missed the mark a lot of the times with that. But it's kind of a, a growing thing that I'm just trying to keep working at. Yeah, how would this? How would people really do this? Mm-hmm. And so I, in that sense, I think whatever it is with the kind of storytelling thing, it's you, yeah, you really want to try and observe how people do react and, and how specific they can be, and you can be in in representing that. Mm. If so that makes sense. It goes back to you. You were commenting that both both comedy and drama need to be truthful, and and they need yes. to be based in something that is authentically a human experience. Um, yeah, or, or it or it doesn't touch the heart of the people that you want. So yes, given yes. that, given that you're looking for truthful responses that you can capture do you find yourself being an observer of people do you find yourself sitting back and watching and noting your your life around you yeah i do and i think that that was something that came to me from my parents too at an early age i can even remember you know when i would be before school so i was kind of three or four i would get on the bus with my mum to go up to the shops and she would point out you know, the old lady who would be falling asleep on, on the chair next to us. Or I think, you know, my, my parents were always people that I guess found observing people kind yeah. of funny. Uh, and so that's kind of part of it. But it, it is, I think, actually, uh, yeah, there is, a, there is a deep kind of chance to observing. Just because on what you were saying before too, that there was, a, there was an acting teacher and his, his last name was Meisner and he had a quote that, kind of what acting was, was it was trying to live truthfully under imagined circumstances. Mm. And so <laughs> it is always that thing, that the crazy thing about storytelling and particularly acting is that you've got this contradicting thing where you're 
you're making up an imagined scenario for yourself, but within that imagined scenario, you're trying to live that imagined thing as truthfully as you possibly can. Mm. Um, and so I think trying to then see the truth of the world around you mm. helps you have a, an instinct for your imagination to, to kind of know how best to, to bring that um, to life in a way. So I think always the, the truth of the world and then the truth of, I guess, how your imagination can recall that mm. um, is a big part of what kind of the work I do is really. It's, yeah, I would definitely sum up what I do for a living is try and tell the truth, yeah, but in an imagined mm. circumstance. Uh, related to that, you, the idea that you, you, you're looking at the world around you, looking at people's lives, you're reflecting on circumstances, you're reflecting on truth. Where do you, where do you get ideas for new stories? Where do they come from? Um, uh, if anything, my problem is that I, I have too many ideas for stories, and and most of them probably uh, rubbish. But I, I mean, yeah, my brain just will automatically go to story and that, that's kind of when my brain is I guess um just its default will I, my brain just naturally goes to thinking oh what would what would happen if two people were sitting in a cafe and one of them said this or what would happen if you know um a guy's on a train and this happens so that's just kind of how I'm wide that's not to say that the stories that I think through are, are any good and often it's just those moments and then the hard bit is actually going okay well I have five seconds but how do I make an hour and a half out mm. of this or whatever but I think um Yes, I, I don't know when, I guess it's... Um, do you know when you have a good idea, Jason? Do you know when something's sort of hit you with like a lightning bolt and you're, that's worth developing? Yes, I do sometimes, but do you know what I've found recently is that I collaborate with some, there's some writers and, and other uh, directors and actors that I'm collaborating with a lot and often they will come to me with ideas that they have kind of thought of and my brain will just go, that is perfect. Like right. I, I, often it's when other people say to me yeah. an idea they have, like, yeah, that that I can see how that is a fully fleshed idea that we could kind of make a story out of. I think, um, I think probably for me, um, a, a good idea is probably just when I myself can be interested in, in enough in it that um, I want to yeah. uh, keep exploring. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, but I, 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 and I'm sure my wife can. <laughs> can tell you that uh, I go down a lot of different avenues with stories I'm working on and I tend to get to what I perceive as dead ends and then go on to something else. And my problem is actually, uh, yeah, I, I have kind of 20 ideas of, of films I'd love to make right now, but um, the, the, the trick is to just um, settle on one and go hard with that, which is why it's good having collaborators that kind of can push you and, and invite you onto their projects that you can kind of work at it together. And, but, and help um, you filter through ideas that are going to work and get a different perspective. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And that's, that's the beauty of also just sharing ideas with other people is that they, you let, you let the see that they light up and they take it somewhere or it kind of falls kind mm. of deaf on their ears too. Mm. But, um, yeah, but I just, yeah, I just think kind of all ideas are kind of everywhere. It's, sometimes I just wish I could, I could turn off my brain a little bit, uh, at that level. But, um, yeah, I just kind of, yeah, I see them everywhere. I, I, I made a short film a few years ago, um, and that just, I saw someone had tweeted uh, that they, you know, this couple was pretending to get engaged in different Burger Kings in America, and they were pretending to get engaged in the store so that they could get free food, and they just went on this tour of 
proposing to each other at different Ferguson's to get free food. And that became the basis of the short film that I have then uh, wrote and directed. Um, so, you know, it's just that becomes the launching off point and then it kind of it snowballs a little bit. I, I want to come and, and draw you back to your time in church and, and how those things connect together. But bef- before we get there, let me ask you, you, you find this idea, you hear this story of this couple that's real-life event, it triggers, that will make a great film. As yeah. you were turning that into a product, are you, yeah. are you conscious of, I guess what I'm asking is, are you looking for the approval of the, the critics, the industry, the, the peers, or is that less important? It's just, what is it, is it going to make the audience laugh? Is it, is it going to be popular appeal? Where do you find yourself, or how do you balance the, those different yeah, possibly competing demands? That's a good question because some of I work, you know, sometimes I work in things like well, where I will direct an ad or I'll direct something to someone else, and at some level you've got the higher power of um, if it's for a brand or something, you've got to kind of uh, make it so that they like it. So sometimes you're actually answering to a higher producer or something like that, where you you're trying to get your version of something, but ultimately you don't have the final say. But when it's something where you're just kind of making it as a as a passion project thing, I think. I think for me, it's, will I kind of just be able to, I think it is probably for me and, the, and I love kind of actors. So if I'm not acting in something, it's, it's like if the actors are loving it, then I'm, I kind of know that I like You're it. Happy. Um, yeah. So I think at one level, I probably don't think of the audience, um, enough. And, and now that I'm starting to evolve a little bit in my writing and going to, you know, you know, when you, you go and approach more places like a Netflix or Stan or something, they, they do kind of know who is the audience and that's a big question for them. So I'm just learning to be um, more aware of that as I, as I kind of develop things. But, yeah, for the most part, I think, yeah, what would make me just feel great watching this? So at one level that may be kind of a, a selfish answer, but, but it, is a, it is a constant thing, I guess, of, um, yeah, of, of, of working out. Because um, because I've definitely made lots of things and I watch them back and I go I I don't like that I did that there or, or and I think sometimes it, it maybe was because I was trying to answer to some imagined audience out there but yeah. I think I think probably the stuff that I enjoy I'm hoping that the people who watch it who have similar sensibilities to me will enjoy it as well. Mm, that's great. Jason, I, w- I want to bring you back to the, the church experience you had. You went from school into working for a church. I, yep. I was wondering, the church has got a story to tell. It's, it wants to reach people, reach their hearts. Yep. What do you think is the place of entertainment in the business of church? Um, gee, that's, a, that's a, a good question. And at, at a lot of levels, I would prefer to say – uh, I don't feel like I should be a person to answer that, so I'll say that first. But, but having said that, I think um, I think you can't escape the fact, really, that um, that the way I the way I know the creator of the universe is probably first and foremost through a, a book, mm. through the Bible, um, and in that that Bible that that book, the Bible is full of stories, mm. and then when God's Son comes to Earth. Uh, he comes and he um, sits down with people and he talks about how, you know, there were two men that um, one built his house on the sand and one built his house on the rock. And, and when the rains came, you know, so you have this 
this um, this person of Jesus who is who is kind of God in the flesh who's come to earth and he thinks it's worthwhile to sit down and tell people stories. Mm. Um, so I think you kind of can't deny um, how much God values stories, yeah. but that God values meaning in things like uh, symbols and imagery, you know, yeah. that, that Jesus calls himself the door or kind of he calls himself bread or and you kind of go, what? That kind of doesn't make a lot of sense just with logic. I, in one sense, need an imaginative yes. story-aware brain to make sense of those things. So I, I do think, um, yeah, I, I do think that, that the church should be actually a family of storytellers, that, yeah. that what we do is we, we tell the story of how God has loved people through the history of the, the world, and it's that story that ultimately that we get to get caught up into. So, but, but having said that, I, um, I mean, I, I, I kind of don't particularly personally feel like some, in, in lots of levels, I have much to offer the church in terms of my own kind of storytelling thing. I think because, uh, I think sometimes the, the church wants things to be super clear and super obvious. Um, and perhaps if, if I was to be, uh, you know, a little bit critical, doesn't always, um, realize that the audience is kind of uh, can figure out things for themselves and they kind of want to make things so clear that you can't get any other meaning out of it. But, but I think the, the good stories usually you have to dig a little bit at, which yeah. is also the parables of Jesus. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to dig into them. And I think, um, I think for the church to be, to, to keep growing as a, a family of storytellers, uh, we need to not just go for the obvious kind of um, banging people over the head with things. We're, we're allowed to kind of treat our audience with enough respect that um, things can feel hidden at first or um, things need to be to, to dig a little deeper. So I think often where I've got into trouble in the past with um, helping with with different church things is that I guess I just haven't been um, clear enough in what the message is sometimes and, and I kind of want people to dig a little deeper. But um, I think there's there's sometimes a fear in well if, if we don't really serve up this is what this means uh, we're somehow um, going to get ourselves into trouble so yeah so I, I um yeah I have a, I guess I to to be fair I have a, a kind of a bit of a bruised history with with kind of my work in the church and so that's something I need to keep asking forgiveness from from God and for people where I've kind of been quick to to judge and but um. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a work in progress for me, but I I, I do think the church, yeah, I, I think Jesus, God is a storytelling God, and Jesus was a storyteller, and and if anything, you know, what, what is sharing kind of my testimony with someone that just telling the story, like like basically what you're doing on this, yeah, you know, this podcast is saying, tell me your story, and and how does this some, for some people, how does the story of God interweave with the story that you find yourselves in? So, yeah, it's a clunky answer, but um. Now yeah. I, I think I think you've been able to get get across exactly what what you you're, you're meaning, and uh, rather than I was interested is I, I had wondered whether part of your response to that question might have focused on the production side of of uh, theatre oh, and the glitz and oh, the gloss okay. and that, but you've gone much deeper than than that superficial level and and hit yes. the, yeah. the essence of living truthfully, which is. Yes. Um, 
And how how does that get communicated? How do you how do you communicate what is truthful, other than through comparison, through metaphor, through example, through parable? Yeah. And and I think you're right. I think that is part of where the church is. It needs to remember its its purpose to to grab people's hearts and persuade them in a way that is revelatory of a mm. of a grand story. Yeah, yes. And I mean, even in, on you touching on the, the glitch and glamour, I mean, this could be a, a longer discussion for another time, but I mean, before I went into kind of the, the kind of film industry I'm in now, when I did work for church and I would do a lot of preaching and I was up the front, in front of people a lot of the time, I struggled a lot more with, with my pride and with my kind of, I guess, sinfulness during that time that, than what I do now when um, I work as, as an actor. And, you know, I've been fortunate to, you know, uh, work in, you know, Hollywood and, and have some pretty cool experiences there. But uh, I think that um, I was much more in danger of, of, of actually the glitching, the glamour when I was uh, becoming more of a, uh, a well-known person in church circles than I am being a person who's known in the entertainment industry. But that's a... That's, that's a really interesting... Of, I think you're right. That is another whole uh, conversation to have around uh, the the way in which uh, the church needs to guard its own heart from yeah. some of the things it might criticise in other agencies and other institutions uh, yes. of society. And that, yeah. that is a big question. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We might invite you back in a while and, and uh, have a talk yeah. with you about those sorts of things. Uh, yeah. well, well, Jason, you've, you've been so open with your your time with us and your reflections. Um, the, the, we started by talking about the fact that this the project that you're involved in during this isolation was uh, not a retreat but at least a reflection back on where you are at and yep. who you are and what are the things that will be coming up in your future, family and, yep. and work and faith. And um, we want to just assure you of our prayers for that. That we'll, wow, thanks, Brendan. We'll be really hoping that that God makes His His next step very clear for you and gives you a clear view of who He is and what His place in your life right now needs to be. No, thanks, Brendan. That's very kind of you, and thank you for for yes being interested enough to kind of let me think through these things. And and thank you. I, you know, I've been able to listen to previous episodes of, of the podcast and, and we've got something out of each of those. So thank you for, I guess, um, just providing a, a space and a kind of some open air for people to just um, chat about those things. So, uh, yeah, thank you for the work you're doing too. It's, it's, it's very kind of you to have me on. Jason Perini, God be with you. Thanks, thanks, Brent. Thanks for having me.